You're listening to episode 32 of the National Secular Society podcast, hosted by Emma Park. I will be discussing the issue of what is known contentiously as gay conversion therapy. In the UK and other countries, certain very conservative or evangelical religious organisations, mainly but not exclusively Christian, advocate counselling and other practices which purport to help their adherents somehow get rid of their sexuality or gender identity when this is not in line with their group's religious teachings. But what effect does this so-called therapy have on people who undergo it? Should and can gay conversion therapy be banned by law? How do you even define the practice since it is not widely reported? And finally, should groups which advocate some form of conversion therapy for LGBT plus people be deprived of their charitable status? To answer these questions, I'll be speaking to Nick Duffy, current affairs editor at LGBT newspaper Pink News. Later in the episode, I'll be joined by Megan Manson, head of policy and research at the National Secular Society, to discuss the NSS's position. I'm joined now by Nick Duffy, current affairs editor at Pink News. Nick, what exactly is conversion therapy? Um, Who does it and who are its target? Uh, That's a good question. Um, When people are asked about conversion therapy, the first thing they picture is perhaps some kind of horrific pseudo-medical treatment like electroshock therapy or chemical castration, the sort of things that people like Alan Turing were historically subjected to. Or perhaps they picture children being packed off to a Pray the Gay Away camp, which was popularised in the US in the 80s and 90s, um, where huge organisations were set up with uh, support often from religious organisations and conservative groups. But actually, when we look at what conversion therapy is in the UK today, it takes generally the form of individual pseudo-counselling services on a one-to-one basis uh, with a more emotionally manipulative approach where counsellors try to convince people that their sexual orientation or gender identity is often the result of childhood abandonment issues or sexual abuse, um, which we know is untrue. Uh, And it's fairly commonly practised by a range of groups. And who exactly are these therapists? Are they, or counsellors, are they clinically, medically trained? No. So really there's three distinct types of conversion conversion therapy we're aware of in the UK. Uh, So the first um, and and most prominent, the one that people may have heard about, is a group called the Core Issues Trust, uh, which is registered as a charity in Northern Ireland. It goes, goes through very little effort to conceal its work and claims to be able to help people manage their sexual attraction. It, it's run by a, a man called Mike Davidson. He occasionally calls himself Dr. Mike Davidson. He has a PhD in education. Um, you can do your own judgment on that. Um, they generally operate on the model of being quite prominent and provocative about their work. But actually, the second type of conversion therapy we see, and perhaps the most common, um, is grassroots conversion therapy in religious communities where people often struggling with their sexual orientation and gender identity are shepherded towards often just spiritual counsellors or people in the community and this is where it gets quite nefarious because it's hard to track what goes on in those communities. Uh, I recently attended a, a Core Issues Trust event and there I met an imam from East London who was there to learn from sort of the experts about applying it within his own religious field. And the third type we're seeing, which is a growing issue recently, is 
therapies directed at trans teens. So often we think of conversion therapy as, as a gay thing. Actually, people of all genders and sexualities have been subjected to it historically. And today, all parts of the LGBT community uh, can be targeted by conversion therapy. What sort of supposed pseudo treatments are involved? You said they, they talked about it gets very emotional. What sort of things do they try and get these people to do who are um, undergoing this so-called therapy? So... Uh, depending on the therapy that's on offer, a lot of it is faith-based. The evangelical Christian treatments, which we're more familiar with, um, will preach the message that God can cure you if you pray hard enough. And um, unfortunately, there's quite a, a lot of people who are left with serious trauma. They feel like they're a bad Christian because they're praying and they're praying and the gay isn't going away. It isn't always necessarily like that. And core issues trust has ties to the, to the Christian world, but also does offer sort of more secular-based treatments where, uh, aside from focusing on religion, they do sort of preach the message that you can individually manage sexual attraction or gender identity in a way that we know is just not possible or accurate. What sort of effects does this supposed therapy have on people who who undergo it, who um, voluntarily or or for whatever reason go to these um, therapists or counsellors? It, does it have a, a very negative effect on them? Absolutely. Uh, to be honest, the, the biggest problem with conversion therapy is that it doesn't work. Um, and many of the early pioneers of the treatment in the US have disavowed their work. We had an example only a few weeks ago where a, a formerly high-ranking figure in Exodus International, which was one of the sort of pioneers in the field of conversion therapy, came out, apologised for his work and said he was marrying a man. From that there was a source of amusement from that, but also we, we can't forget that conversion therapy does have a, a lasting and physically nefarious impact. It can not only rob people of, in some cases, decades of their lives that are denying who they truly are, but studies have shown it is linked to an increased risk of suicide, depression, self-harm and emotional trauma. It's, it does leave a long-lasting impact for people who are duped into it and some of them experience the the ramifications for decades. Now you said duped into it. Who exactly undergoes this therapy? What are their motivations? Do they do it voluntarily or are they forced into it? Well, that really does depend on the, the therapy on offer. So Core Issues Trust, the main practitioner in the UK, claims to only offer its, its services to voluntary adults. But the crux of the issue is in religious communities, that's not necessarily the case. There, there are many cases of teens who have been uh, forced into treatment by their parents where they are subjected to sort of the counselling type treatment against their will. What, what about the evidence base, if there is any? You said that the problem with gay therapy is that it isn't effective. Is there any scientific basis for what these so-called therapists are doing? The exact opposite, in fact. Nearly every medical psychological counselling body in the world has disavowed conversion therapy. In the UK, we have a memorandum of understanding uh, where the NHS and the British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy have made clear that there is no basis for conversion therapy, that it doesn't work. Earlier this year, we saw the UN's independent expert on LGBT rights calling for a global ban on conversion therapy, again, citing the evidence that it simply doesn't work. Often, what conversion therapists are appealing to is just sort of a base homophobia. They they have 
no evidence and no scientific basis for their claims whatsoever. You mentioned the Core Issues Trust in Northern Ireland and, and Christian world. Is gay conversion therapy li limited to Christian groups or is it also practiced in other religious groups in the UK? So Core Issues Trust, which is the, the main practitioner of conversion therapy that, that gets the most publicity, does come at it from a Christian background, but it does occur in, in all faiths. And we are aware of examples in Islam and in uh, other faiths within the UK where uh, struggle, people struggling with their sexuality or gender identity are pressed towards conversion therapy. Now, it's been banned in Germany, and it's also been banned in parts of the US, Canada, and, and parts of Canada, and parts of Australia, but and in a few other countries. But in general, gay conversion therapy has not been banned by most countries in the world. Why do you think this is? It's been a long struggle to get it taken seriously as an issue, to be honest. I've been reporting on conversion therapy for six or seven years now. When I started, most politicians hadn't heard of it, didn't really know what it was. Um, there was little uh, effort to, to get it banned. The, the larger LGBT movement had bigger fish to fry as it was. And now we're seeing finally some efforts to take action against it. So as you said, Germany has imposed a ban. Canada has we're up to 20 US states now. And quite crucially, in his platform, Joe Biden has pledged support for a federal law to ban it. So yeah, we, we are now seeing a more concerted effort to tackle the issue. Why do you think there's been that change towards more awareness of it? Has it just been a matter of time or has the issue of gay conversion therapy, has it become more serious? Has the practice become more widespread? I'm not sure if it's necessarily become more widespread as such, but in the, in the UK in particular, we have seen a, a more concerted effort towards banning it. There are now specific campaign groups set up that are really pressing on this issue and, and really scrutinising it and... Uh, again, LGBT rights is such an evolving field that a, a few years ago, talking about conversion therapy probably wasn't at the top of, of many campaigners' to-do lists, whereas now it is really getting attention as more evidence comes out about the harms that, that happen because of it. Boris Johnson has condemned the practice of gay conversion therapy and other ministers have too, but it's not yet banned in the UK. Uh, to give a bit of context, under Theresa May, Theresa May was the first Prime Minister to pledge to put forward a ban on conversion therapy, which she did uh, in 2018 in an LGBT action plan. Unfortunately, like many of the other promises in that document at the time, it has gone largely unfilled. And we've seen a revolving door of equalities ministers over the past few years where they haven't really made any progress over the past couple of years. If anything, the commitment has been slightly walked back under Boris Johnson, who has recently said that he'd like to ban the practice, but in his speeches about it, he's referred to further study and, and looking into the issue further, um, which is behind where other countries are internationally, uh, and also is frankly the language the government usually use when they're looking to kick an issue into the long grass. Yeah, this is pretty vague and, yeah, waffly, definitely. Um, but what about other organisations outside the government? Yeah, you wrote recently in Pink News about Barclays Bank shutting down the accounts that the Corrigan's Trust held with it. Um, so what's the story there? Why did Barclays do that? And are other organisations doing a similar thing? Absolutely. Um, there is now a growing public acceptance and understanding of the issue in the way that there wasn't a few years ago. We have now seen 
uh, a determination from a lot of companies to take this kind of thing seriously. So Facebook and Twitter have both recently committed to not permitting the promotion of conversion therapy on their platforms, uh, which is a great step, uh, specifically as we've seen issues around Facebook uh, hosting ads for conversion therapy groups in the past. Core Issues Trust have, have also been become sort of a persona non grata for a number of companies have denied them services. So they attempted to hold a screening at View Cinema in 2018, which was cancelled. They've had various um, uh, back and forth fights with their payment providers. And yes, most recently, Barclays have denied them banking services, which is really, I think, an artifact of the way that companies are taking these issues more seriously now. There is perhaps a, a note of caution on this, however, uh, which is Core Issues Trust do have close ties to the Christian Legal Centre, who are notorious for a, a forthright defence of their their clients. So uh, a company should be wary about their interactions with groups that are practising conversion therapy. Um, there, there could and has been some legal ramifications uh, for those that have um, attempted to cut ties with, with Core Issues Trust in, in terms of getting threatening letters and so forth. We've been talking about legal ban. We've been talking about things that individual companies have done. Do you think that a legal ban is the only satisfactory solution? What, what about the rights of, of Christian groups, as, as they say, for example? So I, I think it is important that there is legal efforts to ban the practice. Um, well, number one, it doesn't work. And then number two, it can cause lasting damage. Uh, and when we look at laws that are coming in other places, most of those laws are directed towards um, banning conversion therapy for minors or where it is fraudulently or offered towards adults. Um, but I think there, there must also be work to educate people and tackle stigma around LGBT issues. Um, at the end of the day, conversion therapy only has a hook if people think being LGBT is wrong. And if you take that away from them, you take them, their main tool for, for motivating people to undergo conversion therapy away. So I think it is important that it does go hand in hand with outreach to groups as well. Playing devil's advocate for a minute, surely they would say, well, you know, we, we don't do anything against people's will. It's just if people believe that homosexuality is wrong, then we offer some help for them. I mean, what would your response be to that? So I think it is one thing to promote a treatment that doesn't work. Um, frankly, there's, there's lots of things you can go out and buy that don't work. But I think it is particularly nefarious to offer a treatment which they know doesn't work and also know causes serious harm to people and does lead to higher rates of suicide and depression and self-harm and other things that we've talked about. I think at the end of the day, they are, they are providing a false promise and it's not only morally wrong and ethically wrong, I would very much hope that one day it's also legally wrong. As far as the core issues trust in Northern Ireland is concerned, the National Secular Society has recently challenged um, its right to have the status of a charity um, and therefore have various tax breaks. Do you think that organisations that promote conversion therapy um, as part of their overall religious um, purpose should be able to keep their charitable status? Uh, no, I, I particularly welcome the step from the National Secular Society. I think it is perverse that groups like Core Issues Trust can benefit from the systems our country has set up to help real charities. And I think it would be a welcome step for the Charity Commission to review their charitable status. 
Now, the Core Issues Trust, just looking at their website, they have actually posted a response to criticisms made by the National Secular Society um, of its stance towards gay conversion therapy. And just quoting from that, it claims that, quote, the National Secular Society accuses the trust of causing harm by actively promoting conversion therapy. On the contrary, the trust promotes client autonomy and advocates therapeutic and counseling choice for individuals dissatisfied with unwanted sexual attractions, feelings and behaviours or gender confusions. That's the end of the quote. So the, the Core Issues Trust seems to be claiming that it does not promote conversion therapy, but at the same time, it, it advocates therapy and counselling for people who are somehow in its view sexually confused. What, what's your response to this? Is there a distinction to be made between um, active promotion of conversion therapy and the promotion of client autonomy? I think Core Issues Trust uh, are masters of deflection and, and Mike Davidson is a very intelligent man and he's very good at writing statements that, that sort of negate the, the harm that their therapy causes. Um, I think there is clear evidence that conversion therapy does cause harm, doesn't work. And the suggestion that it's an individual choice could apply for many sort of scam treatments that in this country we, we just rightly accept shouldn't take place. I don't necessarily see it as a, a matter of individual choice as such, because what people are buying into at the end of the day is a lie. Finally, Nick, what do you think are the next steps for um, campaigning against conversion therapy in this country? Um, I think it is really important to keep up momentum on the government um, uh, to make sure that they do not backslide on the commitments that they made uh, in 2018 and that Boris Johnson has reiterated since, that they do explore bringing forward a legal ban on the practice and they do that as soon as possible as we are falling behind uh, many other countries on this as, as they seek to make progress. Um, I think it is also a, a positive step that we are seeing companies take action where conversion therapy happens and where those groups have ties to them and we are seeing more and more companies address their links to, to those groups and the services they provide. Again, at the, at the core of conversion therapy is the idea that being LGBT is wrong and that it's something you should aspire not to be. And I think it is particularly important as well that, that we challenge that notion. And if we take that away, we take away their most powerful tool. If listeners um, are interested in getting involved in this issue more, what would you suggest they do? So we write about conversion therapy regularly on Pink News. You can read our coverage. There is a campaign group set up called Ban Conversion Therapy, which has been recently making strides towards keeping pressure up on the government. I'd recommend writing to your MP, making sure that this is an issue that stays on the table as the government sort of delays on what they want to do about it and uh, pe people remain aware of it. Nick Duffy, thank you very much for a really interesting talk. Thank you. I'm now joined by Megan Manson of the National Secular Society to reflect on my conversation with Nick. So Megan, first of all, I talked briefly with Nick about the National Secular Society's campaign against the Core Issues Trust uh, and, and the question of whether some, something, a body like the Core Issues Trust should be um, a charity. I mean, could you go a bit more into what, what the NSS was saying about uh, that? That's right. So we noticed that there'd been a debate in the Northern Ireland Assembly on this issue of, of gay conversion therapy. It had come up 
And the health minister at the time, that's Robin Swan, he expressed that it's the first time he'd really come across this issue. So we thought, well, if this is the first time he's really um, addressed conversion therapy, he should really be aware that there is a charity that's registered by the Northern Ireland Charity Commission that quite explicitly promotes it, um, and that's Core Issues Trust. I mean, they call it change-orientated therapy. They don't like the term conversion therapy, but um, essentially that is that's what they do. As they phrase it, they uh, offer therapy for people seeking to leave homosexual behaviours and feelings. So we raised this with the health minister and we also um, sent a letter to the Northern Ireland Charity Commission as well and said well you know the whole point of charities is that they serve a public benefit and they don't harm people and um, as Nick mentioned conversion therapy doesn't work and it can cause harm quite serious harm so that's why we wrote to the Charity Commission and the health minister saying well why is this a charity? Why? How has this been allowed to register as a charity? What public benefit does it possibly serve? Yeah, so I, I suppose the NSS's point then is that the problem with saying that a body can be a charity and have all these tax benefits and so forth, just on the basis that it has this purpose of the advancement of religion is really problematic. Definitely. I mean, that I think is a, is a core issue that... As far as I know, all the charities that promote gay conversion therapy or seem to be, you know, within that field are religious ones, which is not surprising because the stigma about being lesbian or gay or bisexual is basically rooted in uh, conservative religious values. So it's not surprising that we'd see that. And that's the real problem is that charity law enables these religious organisations because Charity law recognises the advancement of religion as in itself a charitable purpose. Um, so, in theory, a charity should be able to demonstrate a public benefit. But in the case of religious charities, I don't think that's necessarily happening. I think that provided an organisation is advancing a religion that the Charity Commission recognises as a religion, they, they basically can get away with doing an awful lot of things that are not in the public benefit. Uh, for example, promoting gay conversion therapy. So if, you're, if your religion says that being gay is a sin, then you can promote stopping people from being gay or, or promote Absolutely. celibacy um, under, under the guise of, of promoting Absolutely. your religion. That's, that's, that, is, that is essentially part of the religion. That is exactly right. You are, you are promoting the tenets of the religion. You're doing what the charity law, what charity law says you should be doing as a religion is promoting that doctrine. And, and this is, again, a theme that we often see um, in the issues the NSS deals with, that the purposes of religions may be things which people who don't share in those beliefs find extremely intolerant or just out of keeping with secular values. Now, another, I think, issue that raised by my conversation with Nick was this idea of how to stop conversion therapy. Now, Boris Johnson has talked about banning gay conversion therapy. He hasn't done so yet. And re religious groups, on the other hand, say that those which support gay conversion therapy or some form of it say that it's it would be anti-democratic, it would be intolerant to try and stop them having their rights to preach what, what they believe in. What's the solution here? Is the worry that if conversion therapy were banned, it would be, it would be too difficult to find a definition of what conversion therapy is, um, that could be banned legally. Yes, I think there really is a problem here with trying to define uh, conversion therapy because there are, it is a very broad range 
of different practices. So I can I do have some sympathies there when people asking for a ban. It's like, well, what exactly do we ban? So there is one interesting case, for example, there's an organisation called Living Out, which it basically says it supports uh, religious people who want to conform to biblical standards when it comes to relationships. So in other words, it says, well, if you have these same-sex attractions, it encourages you to, to not uh, follow up on them and to, to basically it promotes celibacy if you are LGBT. Now, this is an interesting one because they were originally rejected by the Charity Commission when they wanted to uh, register. But eventually, after sort of looking into it, the Charity Commission decided to reverse its decision in 2016 and accepted it on the register, saying, oh, well, actually, we, we, you know, it, it does sort of meet the definitions for charity law to be recognised as a charity. And this prompted um, a Conservative MP, Michael Freer, to say, well, how could this possibly be in the public benefit? And he actually said, well, it's just gay cure therapy rebranded, and um, is how he expressed it. So, you know, I'm not 100% sure whether living out, because it's promoting celibacy, could be considered conversion therapy or not. But certainly, I can see how it's not serving a public benefit, and it is potentially causing harm by telling people that, you know, if you're if you're gay, that you should repress those feelings. I think that that is that's not in the public benefit to be telling people that. So it's one where I probably would say, well, no, the, the charity commission should not have uh, registered them. Now, yeah, so that that would be one thing, just telling people um, who are uh, LGBT plus to to restrain themselves from being involved in any sexual activities. Then another form, I guess, would be um, what Nick was talking about, which is some form of therapy which just involves counselling or preaching or trying to tell people that, that being gay is not what God wanted. But I think there are other forms, more extreme forms, that have been reported on, the NSS has, has reported on as well, um, in terms of different ways of, slightly more sinister ways of, of converting people, aren't there? Um, yes, that's right. So um, I think in 2017, the Liverpool Echo reported on quite an extreme example. So they did some undercover work into a church called Mountain of Fire and Miracles, uh, which is a Pentecostal church. And uh, the particular branch they looked at was doing some form of conversion therapy, which involves starvation. And um, so that's obviously a very extreme form of this. Um, there was a more recent um, case with another church called Winner's Chapel, uh, again another Pentecostal church, and um, that time the undercover reporter uh, managed to get some film footage of what went on, and the therapy that was filmed took the form of a sort of exorcism, so there, were, there was laying on of hands, there was speaking in tongues and sort of trying to exorcise the gayness out, I'm not too sure what the, the mentality is, the, the guy who was doing it sort of called, called it a complete mind reorientation. So he was using some sort of pseudo psychological terms. You know, there, there's a little bit of overlap here between a sort of pseudoscience and pure religion. And again, and it, it kind of illustrates that there is a real, a broad spectrum of uh, different practices under this, this conversion therapy. Yeah, it almost sounds like a form of brainwashing. Yeah, the reporter said that, you know, he, he felt that those sessions themselves were quite traumatic. And he said that no real thought was given as to how that would have affected him emotionally. It was quite dramatic. And I can imagine if he'd been wrestling 
with these feelings that you feel ashamed of, that this will just exacerbate, you know, that 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 desperation and that shame that you feel. So that certainly might might be something which is has potentially very negative psychological effects on on people who undergo it, even if they do it of their own free will in some sense. But perhaps they might feel pressure. But I mean, given this wide variety of what gay or LGBT conversion therapy so-called can involve. I mean, is, is banning it the best solution? What What's the NSS view on this? Well, I think when it comes to minors, people under 18, I think that it's probably easier to do that without sort of going into the territory of well, how much do you curtail freedom of choice and, and, and autonomy? It is a very difficult question. Yeah, we can't ignore the fact that as always, as in all cases of secularism, it's about finding an appropriate balance between protecting people from harm and giving people um, autonomy. So maybe with adults it's more difficult, but with minors the case is clearer, isn't it? I think so, yeah. They're a lot more vulnerable. Generally, the issue of choice, I'm not really sure if, if minors who are under you know, intense pressure from their families and are going through a part of their lives where they are sort of questioning a lot of, of their sexuality. I think that, that in that case, there is a role for the state to take extra measures to protect them. Is the issue here partly that some religions, especially more more conservative uh, forms of Christianity or Islam or, or similar religions, even if they don't actively support gay conversion therapy, they perhaps support in children as well as adults a, a mindset of disapproving of being sexually different from the perceived norm. Absolutely. And um, I think Nick touched on this as well, that really the, the, the best way to end conversion therapy is to end the demand. So conversion therapy flourishes when people who are LGBT feel ashamed of being LGBT. Um, it's as simple as that. So if people didn't feel that it was a problem, they would not seek to change their orientation. So that's really where this comes from, is trying to challenge the ideology behind what fuels conversion therapy. And what's quite shocking is these particular ideologies are being promoted in the state school system. Our research in 2018 found that many state-funded faith schools, in particular Catholic schools, they tended to be a bit more um, detailed and a bit more explicit about what they teach um, as part of their relationships to sex education. Um, they were teaching the idea that being gay was disordered. That was the, uh, the, the word that one of the schools used. That same-sex relationships were unacceptable. That was another phrase that came up. And essentially, they were saying that, that sex is something that is reserved for Christian marriage. By that, they mean between a man and a woman. So if you, if that's, if you cannot get into that marriage, then it's not for you and you should be celibate. And this is an idea that's being taught to children enrolled in state education. So essentially, an arm of the state is promoting this pretty harmful idea that somehow there's something defective with you if you are not straight. And that basically this, this whole dimension of human existence is denied to you because you happen to like people of the same sex. So yeah, a lot of work for the government to do and not just merely about uh, banning, banning conversion therapy if, if, if perhaps that's not really the best solution. Perhaps the best solution is to really focus on promoting more tolerant um, pluralistic education for children at a younger, younger age too. Megan Manson, thank you very much. Thank you. That was episode 32 of the National Secular Society podcast hosted by Emma Park. My guest speakers were Nick Duffy and Megan Manson. 
If you would like to help us challenge unfair religious privilege and support freedom of and from religion in Britain today, why not become a member of the NSS? Full details are on our website at secularism.org.uk forward slash podcast. If you like this podcast, you can find more episodes and more information about this episode on the website. Thanks for listening.